special edition of Dave's Gone By, the radio show that I've been doing on WGBB Radio since October of 2002. Here we are in June, June of 2009, and I'm here for the fifth annual Tony Award special on the station. Really proud to be doing it and, and have a great time every year talking to theater critics and journalists and writers about their thoughts of the season, the Broadway season, and also the Tony nominees and who they think are going to win and who they think might win or hope will win. Now, the only problem was that yesterday is when we did the show live on the air. This particular segment is being taped a day later on Monday afternoon. And I'm doing this, unfortunately, out of necessity because there were so many technical glitches at the radio station last night when we were doing the show. Everything from uh, kind of a miscommunication as to when the show would start, so instead of having two hours and starting at 5 o'clock, they said, no, 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 we actually have to start at 6 o'clock and you get one hour. So we condensed everything and all our guests into a single hour. They were amazing and they, they came through like champs. And then go figure, when we were finishing up, uh, the next show that was supposed to go on after us didn't show up. So we got back on the air and did a much more freeform, loose, and fun talk about the theater with Adam Kern. He's a fellow engineer at the radio station, and he was uh, kind enough to join me and talk about his experiences going to the theater in London and uh, seeing some shows in New York. It's actually very, very fun. But the whole thing, I think, is fun. My only sadness is that the first 15 minutes of the real opening of the Tony special, it's gone. Uh, it's not wasn't saved on audio, wasn't saved on mini-disc. Everything was broken yesterday, to paraphrase Bob Dylan. When I finally realized that things were going completely awry, I, I managed to find a backup way to record it. So the last 45 minutes of the initial show are preserved. The only real bad part is that we missed almost the entire conversation with author Iris Dorbian. She's the author of great producers, visionaries of the theater, and she was also the former editor-in-chief of Stage Directions magazine. So we talked about the season with her and also about um, sort of particular predictions in a couple of categories. Sorry to say that conversation is gone, and it was a lot of fun, and wish you could hear it, wish I could hear it again. But at least the rest of the show was preserved, as was kind of the after show that we did from 6 to 7. So enough talk from me. Let's move to what we do have of the WGBB Togo Theater Tony Award Special 2009. We begin at the tail end of talking with Iris Dorbian. Hope you enjoy. Theater. You know, just, just a few. I don't know if they're going to be shirtless, though. I don't know if you're going to have that kind of, uh, that kind of luck. And, and, and nude wrestling. Oh, well, yeah, then, then Ken Russell would have to come by and, and stage that. But anyway, I want to thank you so much, Iris Dorbian, for, uh, for being sure. such a, a fine guest. And everybody, by the way, are you, you're still working on kind of a theater-related publication. It's not stage directions anymore. It's? Um, I, work, I work for Min Media Industry Newsletter, and I cover a magazine advertising media for them, and I write a weekly column called Ion Advertising, but I still freelance as a theater journalist. For where? For for backstage, for live design. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Iris. Um, yeah. Again, will you be watching the Tonys tonight? 
Uh, yes, of course. Yay. Yay. So, everybody, remember that the Tonys are just a couple of hours away. They're from 8 to 11 tonight on CBS TV. And, um, Iris, again, thank you so much for being part of the Total Theater Tony Award Special. It was my pleasure. Okay. Ours too. Bye-bye now. Well, okay, we're we're about 15 minutes in, and (laughs) despite all the the really ridiculous uh, things at the station here, I'm hoping it's being recorded somehow somehow. Anywho, uh, let's, let's go on. Oh my gosh, I forgot to, to thank a couple of our sponsors. I can't believe I forgot to do that. Shame on me. Thank goodness I have a moment or two to do that. I'm going to thank Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. Since the 1970s, this is a family-owned and operated business, and it is the place to go to have not just Xerox copies done, duh, but you can also have stuff printed and bound not binded, that would not be the word, bound. You can get your uh, logo on a pen or a keychain. They do all of that stuff. And plus, for years, they've been doing stuff like New Year's cards and Christmas cards and anything that you could think of that requires imprinting something on something else. Hewlett Minuteman Press can do, they can do very well, and at a reasonable price. They're located on Broadway in Hewlett, Long Island, right next to what used to be a a Lohman shoe store, and is going to be a Max and Gino's clothing store. So, everybody, please patronize Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. And remember, if you listen to my usual show at 11 o'clock on Sunday nights, except this Sunday night, Dave's gone by. If you tell him Dave sent you, you get 10% off. Now, I think, I do believe, our next guest is calling in here at the Total Theater Tony Award Special on WGBB. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, by the way. I don't even know if I uh, remember to introduce myself, but I'm introducing myself anew, and I'm also going to introduce our next caller. His name is Richmond Shepard, and he has done pretty much everything you could possibly think of involved in the theater. He is a theater owner. He's got a theater on the 26th Street in Manhattan. He's also been a producer, a director, an actor, a mime. He's done film. He's done television. Uh, let's see. What else? Am I missing? Yeah, you're missing. He's a swell kisser. <laughs> Thank God I do not know that personally. Not <laughs> something I particularly want to find out. But, but, but thanks for sharing that, Richmond Shepard. How are you? How are you doing? Excited um, about the Tonys? Yeah, I am. I, I've seen just I've seen every show, and and uh, it's interesting that I disagree with um, some of the uh, re- other reviewers, and even uh, to the fact that some people that I thought weren't so great were, were nominated. And I, I know I, I'm supposed to talk about the uh, featured actor in a play and a featured actor in a musical today. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just came from my theater where I'm directing. The funeral director's wife, which opens this week for a three-week run, uh, fascinating new play with music. And anyway, should I go down the list? Yeah, well, well, do featured actor in a play. Uh, tell him first featured of all actor what. Actor in a yeah. play. Uh, okay, John Glover was nominated, and I thought he was terrific. I have seen um, many, many people play Lucky, from Alvin Epstein, who did the, the original one with uh, Bert Lahr. And E.G. Marshall, uh, I, I saw Bill Irwin do it, uh, hmm. and many people do it, and, and no one, in, in, in my estimation, has, can come near what John Glover is doing uh, as that part. That it, oh, wow. I, I wrote that he was not only terrific, he was, he, he was idiosyncratic, and it just worked perfectly for this strange character. Cool. Zach okay. Grenier 
I thought was one of the worst performances of the year. I agree. Uh, I wrote a performance that is grating, overbearing, overacted, and hammy. By the way, Zach Rainier is starring, or was starring, in 33 variations. He played Beethoven. I'm sorry, yes, yeah. 33 variations. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he's nominated and I, for he a Tony Beethoven. Award, but we both agree that it but was not. But I notched. thought uh, yeah. uh, how he fooled people was the most interesting. People think sometimes that overacting and hammy is acting. Uh, that overbearing and annoying can be considered uh, uh, a good performance. It wasn't. It was, for me, it was one of the worst of the year. And I should say that I've seen Zach Rainier and other things, and I've liked his work. So um, have I. I've and, seen him in other yeah. things, too. And, and why the director let him go to that extent of, of overacting uh, is beyond me. Uh, I thought the play was, was quite interesting without, you know, aside from that character. <laughs> Now, you got two guys nominated from the Norman Conquest, ah, yes. Stephen Mangan and Paul Ritter. I thought they were both terrific, mm -hmm. but I thought it was, it was such an ensemble piece that to pick out any two people uh, uh, without including all of the rest of them, uh, I don't think they're going to win, by the way. I think John Glover stands a chance. Zach Grenier does not stand a chance. Right. I don't think Stephen Mangan and Paul Ritter are going uh, are going to win. Although I, I I enjoyed all of the performances in that. I saw all three. It made versions. me wish there was an ensemble award. Uh, but, uh, but still, it would be up against God of Carnage. We gave an ensemble award for the from the Outer Critics Circle. Right. And and and, it was the, and the drama desk also, I believe, yeah. gave them. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, the Norman Conquest ensemble was sensational. So I I wonder if those two. Actors are going to split that vote in that category from Norman. Uh, I don't think it matters because huh. I think Roger Robinson is going to ah, win. Okay. Uh, from Roger Joe Turner's, Turner's coming gone. Yeah. Joe Turner's coming gone. I wrote down that he was extraordinary, and I saw about one minute of an interview uh, of him today mm -hmm. on Channel One, and uh, he's a cultured, well-spoken gentleman, and he's playing. A rough character is Joe Turner. I think he's a wonderful actor, a wonderful persona that filled the theater. He was riveting. He was extraordinary. I think he's going to win. And it would be fine with me if he did. And um, it, it would be fine with me if they let John Glover and him tie, which I don't ah. think they've ever done. Well, I don't know if there have been Tony ties. I'll bet there have, but I don't know. Um, okay, for the next category, we're talking to Richmond Shepherd, who is, as as we've said, the owner of the Richmond Shepherd Theater, and you're also directing, what was the name of the play? The Funeral Director's Wife. It's, uh, the, it was written by a woman who was a funeral director's wife. Well, that, that makes sense. It's got great reviews in Minneapolis, and, and uh, I'm producing and directing it here. I've got a, a wonderful cast, and it's got a cappella singing throughout Hmm. So it's it's a play with music, uh, funeral director's wife. Sounds fun. Uh, just check out Richmond Shepherd Theater. S H E P A R D. That the 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 other spellings are the other branches of the family. Right. <laughs> now, Richmond, back to the uh, fe featured actor in a musical. Actor in a musical. Okay. Uh, yeah, there, there were there were two nominations: uh, David Bologna and Gregory Ibarra. For, for Billy Elliot, the musical, and they were both quite good. They were excellent. And Shrek, the musical, Christopher Sieber was fine, uh, and Will Swenson was, was quite good in hair. But to me, head and shoulders above 
almost anybody on Broadway is Mark Kudish, who was nominated for 9 to 5, the musical. And I'd like to read you just a teeny bit, a sentence or two, two sentences from my review, where, where I said, The mean, misanthropic boss is played by Mark Kudish, one of the most exciting Broadway stars we have. The power of his voice, his surprising physicality with incredible comedic moves, and his presence, which fills the huge theater, brings the show to the stratosphere. <laughs> well, I, I I don't think anything in nine to five actually goes to the stratosphere, but it is, it, Kudish is good, and he's a as good a villain, like a lead, almost lead, but made villain. Because he's you know he's got good looks and he's he's yeah, long yeah, and he yeah. can certainly sing. But did you see him yeah. when he took over the part of the of uh, the villain in the Scarlet Pimpernel? I probably didn't. The first, Maybe the I first did. version of it, he wasn't in it. Okay. They moved it to another theater right. with a slightly smaller cast, and he took over as the villain. Chabert, he stole the show. You were rooting for the villain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe it. I mean, he's he's extremely talented, and there is that one moment when he really wakes the audience up in nine to five in that yeah. chair. We don't expect him to do that. He's like sitting back in the chair. Well, it's a physicality thing. What does he do? You know, he's he's it's, it's, he's trying to pump, he leans back in the chair and almost falls out of it, and then he kind of pumps himself back up so he doesn't fall off the chair. It's very very funny. You kind of have. He's to a see very it. physical guy. Yeah. Uh, and and he he works out. He works with his body and he takes care of it. And and uh, so anyway, he's my vote. And would do you think he'll win? Uh, I think he has a good shot at winning. Uh. I, I know it depends on how how astute the people are, you know. Hmm. Uh, uh, well, Mary Stewart got nominated, and I thought it was a colossal bore. Uh, I thought it was, I think a three and a half hour play uh, with long speeches and 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 speechifying and. And, uh, and everybody just, in weird costumes, because you had the men in modern well, I, dress. I that bought was it. nuts. The, I didn't mind the costume. Really? Oh, okay. That the men were in modern dress and the women were in period. But I, I, I like Janet McTeer. I, I, I saw her in uh, Nora. I play Nora in the Doll's House. I voted for her. Uh, this time, to me, she was singing her lines. And anyway, I'm not supposed to talk about that category. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was your favorite show of the whole Broadway season? Play or musical? I don't know. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, a, a God of Carnage. Okay. Because of the acting? Because it was hilarious? I thought it was hilarious. I think it's a wonderful writer, and I thought the four performances were brilliant. And yeah, they were I great performances. you got four great farceurs. Uh, Gandolfini is not a farceur, but he was solid in his part, and it worked. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially the audience all knowing him. So his his other characters so well from from television. So the other three are, are great farceurs. I, I like that I, a lot. A lot. Well, I like I, you a lot, Richmond Shepherd. I, I consider you a friend and a colleague, and you you are, by the way, the co-publisher of Performing Arts Insider magazine, which I mentioned before. So, I'm wishing you first he, of all, he, yeah. yeah, you you are the emperor of uh, of the Performing Arts Insider, but I'm the Grand Vizier, who occasionally <laughs> whispers something in your ear. Well, they're both important, aren't they? One can't really function properly without the other. So thank you for helping this Tony special function, as it, as it should, with your commentary and your wisdom. And I will see you soon at the theater. Oh, yes, to see the funeral director's wife at the Richmond Shepherd Theater on East 26th Street. What's the website where people can, uh, can go again? 
to find it's out. Hard to, it's hard to remember. It's RichmondShepherdTheater.com with an R-E for the theater. RichmondShepherdTheater.com, R-E for the theater, and it's also Shepherd like Sam Shepherd, not like the, the Bible sheep guy. <laughs> there we go. Richmond, thank you so much. Been a pleasure. You too. Thanks. And it's been a pleasure so far. We're halfway through the Tony special. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Also want to remind folks of another couple of our sponsors who are making this show happen, including mm, mm, the Woodrow Delicatessen, located in the Peninsula Shopping Center of Hewlett, Long Island. My family and I have been going to the Woodrow Deli for three decades now for the pastrami, the corned beef, the um, the cold cuts, other kinds of cold cuts, of course, tongue, brisket. Uh, they do just a basic, delicious frankfurter, but also something even more opulent like Polynesian chicken and Romanian tenderloin. And yes, they have a pasta dish, and yes, they have a fish dish, but go there for the meat because nobody does it like the Woodrow Deli. They're kosher, they're open seven days a week, and um, really wonderful waiters and waitresses. I know them pretty much all by face and name, and each one is more delightful and fun than the last. So everybody, please, please, please go to the Woodrow Deli on Long Island in Hewlett. It's, um, for more information about them, to see their menu, and also about their catering, which they do quite a lot of, go to Woodrow Delhi.com. And you want to leave off that second W. It's not Woodrow. It's Woodrow. W-O-O-D-R-O Delhi.com. We leave off that second W for wow, what wonderful food. Now we also have a wonderful fella who is calling in to be our third guest on the WGBB Total Theater Tony Awards special. I just saw him this week because he was kind enough to be part of the show that I moderate once a week at the Players Theater on McDougal Street in the Village. Every Tuesday night at 7, well, except this coming Tuesday night, but every other Tuesday night at the Players Theater, I do a show called StageBuddy.com's Showbiz Talk. And what we do is we line up three or four people who are in the theater and film business. People like casting directors and film directors and agents and producers and cabaret singers and actors. And we get them on stage and we ask them how they do what they do, how they came into what they're doing and how they keep it going. And also suggestions for people out there who want to get into the business or who maybe are already in it but want some tips to to better themselves or to go further. And it's been a really cool show so far. And you can see, by the way, all the five episodes that we've done so far are online. You can, you can see them anytime for free at stagebuggy.com. Just go to the website and click on the blue advertisement for the Tuesday show that we do at the Players Theater. And you can watch the episodes that we've done. They're really, really great. And so, as I was saying, the guest that we have calling right now was on our most recent panel. Why was he on our panel? Well, because he is such a clever writer and so incredibly knowledgeable and wise about musical theater. I think there are only two people right now who write about Broadway musicals, past and present, with that level of sagacity and knowledge and encyclopedic range. Those would be Ken Mandelbaum and our guest on the phone right now, Peter Felicia. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Fine, and you, sir? Um, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm doing great. I love doing this. I love talking about the theater on the radio. It's, it's we all thing I love to do almost more than anything else in the world. So, are you excited about the Tonys tonight? Sure. Always interested. Uh, always interested to see if there's any wild upsets or uh, 
any sure things that turn out not to be so sure after all. Well, what do you think are going to be the sure things? I guess Billy Elliot is best musical. A lot of people think the next normal is going to pull an upset. Really? And they look to Avenue Q uh, from a few years ago when it upset Wicked. But uh, there are a lot of different dynamics going on here. For one thing, Next to Normal didn't throw that big pizza party for everybody <laughs> that Avenue Q did, where people sold their souls for two slices of pizza and a I drink at the bar. <laughs> I, I would, my soul's for sale for less than that at this point. <laughs> I'd sell my soul for a, for a half a candy bar and you know, maybe a dime. I'll but, remember that. No, I think also there are people who loved Avenue Q. Avenue Q, Avenue Q is a very lovable show. Sure. And people liked it or loved it as much as or more than Wicked. I don't know if Next to Normal has that factor going for it. I think people admire it and they're proud that it made it to Broadway and they think it's a really intense, good piece of work. But yes, I don't there's think, no question about that. Yeah. It's the first musical I've ever known that has the words intestinal obstruction in it. I've never <laughs> seen a musical with that happening. So uh, it does march to a different drummer, no question about it. And uh, good luck to it. Um, the, certainly the people are very talented, but I don't think there's any chance of it upsetting Billy Elliot tonight. Okay. Well, however, uh-huh. however, however, if I were going to ask about a possible upset, um, I would choose uh, a very similar category, and that's best play. I don't think it's out of the question, and that's the most on a limb I will go here. I don't think it's out of the question the reasons to be pretty could upset the expected gods of carnage. I mean, I won't be saying, what? If it happens, I'll say, aha, so it did happen. But um, I, I don't see it as likely, but it wouldn't surprise me. I would like to see that happen. I mean, I, I oh, thought good. God of Carnage was very funny and, and brilliantly acted and worth seeing for the first hour, and then it just kept repeating itself and had nowhere to go. And I just don't know why the critics fell all over themselves thinking it's so wonderful. I think well, reasons, we'll see if the Tony voters do. Oh, they will. Yeah, it'll win. It'll oh, win. I but see. It'll be, it'll be nice to see reasons to be pretty, which is a better play, I think, pulling up set. I do, too. So, but the categories that, that Peter Felicia is um, calling in to talk about, and by the way, I didn't even mention that, yeah. I'm doing everything backwards today, I didn't even mention that you wrote the book Let's Put on a Musical, uh-huh. that you're, you write for the Newark Star-Ledger, uh-huh. that you have a column three times a week for theatermania.com, uh-huh. and that you're a former Drama Desk president. Right. Now I got those all in. Now we can say, what are your thoughts on the category Musical Revival? Well, uh, two that really don't seem to have much of a chance are Guys and Dolls and Pal Joey. And it's interesting with Guys and Dolls, because Guys and Dolls started off in a very fascinating fashion. It started off with the character of Damon Runyon typing, and then leaving his office, he's the guy who wrote the original stories in which the musical is based, leaving his office, going downstairs, and going to a very gritty Broadway that probably did exist. Uh, He goes to prize fights. He sees people cheat and steal from each other, and it's very dark. And while I was watching, I said, oh, this is an interesting approach. And then I thought, wait a minute. In about two or three minutes, somebody's going to think, I got the horse right here. His name is Paul Rivet. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's just too severe an opening for the the happy-go-lucky show that follows. And I think that's one of the reasons why Guys and Dolls didn't do well with critics. And, interestingly enough, I am sure that it is in this category simply because the Tonys likes the revival category to be filled with four nominees. I dare say this was the throw-in. And yesterday, I can't say this for sure, but yesterday I happened to be walking by the theater. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was on the other side of the street. Granted, I was walking from 7th Avenue to 8th. But I didn't even see a sign that said 
best Tony nominee, um, best huh. survival. I mean, maybe it's up there. Again, if I came the other way, maybe I wasn't looking closely enough. But today it occurred to me when I was thinking about talking to you, gee, maybe they're ashamed to pull <laughs> up. Maybe they feel they don't deserve it. Pal Joey, it's interesting. Years ago, in the 70s, when this category started, this category was actually called Most Innovative Production of a Revival. Um, and indeed, if that were the case, if that was still the tag on it, there's a possibility Pal Joey could win or would deserve to win, because after all, this is not the same book that happened hmm. back in the 40s or even in the very famous 1952 revival. This is a new book. Well, not so new. I saw it in Boston in 1992, Richard, uh, written by Richard Greenberg, who wrote Take Me Out um, many years later and has done very, very well for himself as, as a major Broadway playwright. So they dusted off this adaptation he did, which was much more hard-hitting than the original, because now we can certainly say things about what goes go on in nightclubs that we couldn't say yeah. before. So um, if that were the case, that might have a chance. Sure, people were disappointed with Stockard Channing's voice. Sure, a lot of people felt that um, Matthew uh, Barkas didn't have... Uh, is that his name? No, Matt Roush. Barkas is somebody right. else. Right. Um, Matt Roush uh, didn't have the star power that was required for Pal Joey. By the way, I thought he did. I saw him very early on because I was doing a talk back at the roundabout, so they had me go weeks before they opened. I saw it was like his second or third performance. And what was so exciting was to see him up there essentially saying to us, listen, this part is mine now. Forget about that Christian Hoff guy. Forget about him. I own it. I'm doing it. And I thought he danced very well, and I thought he sang very well, and I thought he moved very well. And I was surprised that uh, people didn't appreciate that more, but they didn't. Anyway, well, so by the way, let's give a little backstory. I mean, you're talking to someone who, who knows all the backstories of these things. We should mention that um, in, in the Pal Joey revival that the Roundabout did, it was supposed to star a fellow named Christian Hoff. Right. But he hurt himself. Apparently, he hurt his leg, couldn't do the dancing, and so they replaced him with the... Un with, it wasn't an under understudy. It was another guy that they got to do the role. No, he was actually in the show. Oh, he was in the show. Okay. Yeah, he was the understudy. He was, he was actually playing the part of the drummer. Uh, in the band, um, the on-stage band, not a real band uh, that played for the uh, right. production. So anyway, yes, they asked him to take over, and I thought he did sensationally well. Still, there's no question that this ain't going to win no prize tonight. So we're left with West Side Story and Hair. Right. Um, the smart money seems to be on Hair because it does seem to be a more satisfying revival uh, than uh, the West Side Story. The West Side Story revival I thought was truly putrid. Um, wow, they, truly putrid. Oh, You're not yeah. going to see that sign on their theater. I'll no, that no, no, no matter which way you walk down the street. Um, <laughs> no, I, for one thing, what I was reminded of was the Sharks and the Jets really seemed like high school kids who said to their drama teacher, hey, Mr. Roberts, can we do this show? Um, and they seemed to be from suburbia, and they looked very cultured and all that. They didn't seem to have the killer instinct that you really want. I mean, I still have my 1961 movie program from West Side Story where they show uh, the Sharks and the Jets um, just little uh, eight by ten glossy type shots right in a row, and God, these look like people you see in the post office. I mean, they look like killers. These guys again look like suburban high school kids. So I think that was a big problem. Also, I felt that uh, both the Tony and Maria just didn't act it terribly well at all. I mean, when Tony um, was singing Maria, he really seemed to be an utter virgin. And let's not forget. <laughs> This yeah. guy supposedly was leader of the Jets once upon a time, so he should be this real tough kid. I understand he's moved on, but he's got to have that veneer of toughness, and uh, Matt Cavanaugh yeah. didn't have that at all. Maria actually yeah. seemed to be smarter than he, and that's all right, because girls tend to mature uh, faster than boys. But I'm telling you, in the scene where Anita is yelling at her, singing at her, um, that she should be so upset about what happened, 
In Spanish. Maria yeah. had an attitude of, will you stop? Are you sure? Yes. Put a sock in it. You know, and I mean, really, and this is uh, her brother has died, her boyfriend, you know, I mean, God Almighty, you know. I mean, this is tough stuff. So I didn't think it was a good revival at all. Wow. So in a sense, you know, I had no problem for Well, for you, hair wins by default, pretty much. Well, uh, what I'm saying is I voted for hair under those circumstances. I'm not sure other people will, but I will tell you this that it isn't impossible for West Side Story to win because everybody knows the people who produce these shows like to have that nice badge of honor, winner, Tony, on any uh, tour that goes out. And God knows West Side Story has turned out to be a very important ticket yeah. seller in mm. this season. The reviews were not very good, and yet nobody cares. Everybody loves the story of West Side Story. Everybody loves the music of West Side right. Story. And most Everybody of the critics love Everybody's been hungering her. to see it yeah. on stage because it hasn't been on Broadway for 28 years. Right. So as a result, you know, uh, just the title alone has done magic. So it won't surprise me tremendously if indeed um, West Side Story were to win. But, you know, Hair has done well by itself too. So uh, good luck to it. Now, Peter, um, I have to do this rather quickly. And not just because I have a, a bug in my throat, but... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Everything's what? going wrong tonight. Um, um, But I need you to do your one other category. All right, and that'll give you time to recover. Exactly. Director and of a musical. Of a musical. Yeah. Well, it always seems that um, it always should go to somebody who's directing a new musical, because after all, he's starting from scratch. Granted, Stephen Daldry, who directed Billy Elliot, wasn't starting from scratch, scratch, because after all, he did uh, do the show in London, where it's been a big hit for a number of years now. Still, there is something about doing um, a, a show from scratch as opposed to doing a revival of a show. And yet, what Diane Paulus really did this year in directing Hair was do two shows, because first she staged it in Central Park at the Delacorte Theater, and uh, then had to bring it indoors and had to make some substantial changes. So in terms of effort expended, she certainly had to do much more this season than Stephen Daldry did a few seasons ago, because she had to adapt from indoors to outdoors. Hmm. So I think there's an excellent possibility that uh, she could win as well. It's really down to those two. Um, certainly Michael Greif, next to normal, has done an acceptable job. I don't think anybody comes out talking about the directions. I was, I was a little bothered by all those people going up and downstairs constantly. You know, when the next production of Next to Normal happens, and there will be, I would like to see it done in a very realistic set, in a genuine suburban home. I think it would be very interesting under those circumstances. But um, the, I'm sure he was the one who uh, said, hey, let's do it the way we're doing it. It, it sort of resembles Rent in many ways. Hmm. And uh, I don't think that's accidental since he directed Rent and since he wants to remind us that, hey, that Rent show ran a long time. So um, so I think that uh, he did an acceptable job. I have no real problem with it. Yeah, people come to the front and look out at us a little too much when they should be interacting with other people. But nevertheless, um, it's, it's not a big crime what he did. Uh, the one who has no chance at all is the girl who uh, directed uh, Rock of Ages, who will only get votes from people who are in Rock of Ages or connected <laughs> with it. Um, so, um, you know, it's another one. Of those. It's sad that that's uh, even in the mix. Because Rock of Ages is another show that uh, deals with stupidity. Uh, we, we're having more and more of those uh, these days. When I was a kid, the reason I was attracted to Broadway theater, because it was sophisticated adult entertainment. Now that I'm a sophisticated adult, I have to go to Broadway and see kids' entertainment. I mean, so many shows are there uh, for people with um, huh. the smartest of IQs or uh, cultural reference points. So um, this is a piece of junk. And, um, Ooh, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. it is. 
But fun, it's occasionally fun junk. Let's give it that I mean, or not yeah, even. But, you know, I mean, the thing is that um, Broadway musicals used to have so much more interesting stuff in them. Wordplay, um, things that made you think. Even the commercial shows had wonderful wordplay. And you could tell that the people who wrote the lyrics were very literate people and you know, really worked hard at these things. But taking these songs um, from years ago and just throwing them into a, a plot where everybody looks silly... Hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the things that happens in Rock of Ages is almost this nostalgic look back where you say, you know, weren't we silly then? We were, you know, with the wine coolers and all that stuff. And, yeah, well, you know, frankly, I could have told these people in the 80s they were being silly, but nevertheless. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, the girl who did Rock of Ages has no chance no whatsoever. Well, well Peter, Peter Felicia, we, we kind of have to wrap this up real quick, but can you, tell me, can you tell me the one thing that you're most looking for next season on Broadway? Um, yes, I would like to see Josh Grizzetti in these two Neil Simon plays. The idea of doing them in rep, I think, is a great idea. And he was so good in interlaughing yes. that I certainly am looking forward to seeing him in these plays. And also, it's nice to see how quickly a career can take off. Because a year ago at this time, we had no idea who he was. It wasn't until last September when he did interlofting as a weekend mufti. It became a real production, and here he is. Good luck to him. And, and Peter, great Good luck to you, people. Everybody, read his column three times a week in Theater Mania. Read them in the Newark Star Ledger. And any place else we should be reading your work? I think that'll do it for now. Peter Felicia, thank you so much for being part of the Togo Theater Tony Award special. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, we are coming into the last minutes of the Tony special. Remember, everybody, that the Tony Awards are happening about an hour from now at Radio City Music Hall, and they're going to be on CBS TV, so everybody get your, your VCRs or, or your DVD recording devices ready and your eyeballs ready to watch. But before we leave WGBB to, to head back home and, and catch the show, we have one more very, very special guest, someone last but not least, who is joining us as part of the special on the uh, on the telephone? He is the current president of the Outer Critics Circle, and he's also a theater critic for US One Newspapers. His name is Simon Saltzman. And Simon, are you with us? I sure am. Hey, Simon, thanks for for being on hold there. We, we, I got rolling with Peter Felicia for a bit, so well, once you know, we get you know, to talking, these days you're going to be on hold forever, and it doesn't cost you a dime more. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? And you can call, and you're you're calling from Jersey, but you could have been calling from like California. Same thing, you know. Absolutely. So how are you, Simon? Well, I, I, yeah. I'm great, and I know we've only got a few minutes, so I want to you know get the ball rolling here. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the question for me as always, is not which player musical will win, but which one should win. And as you know, David, there's, there's a block of producers, theater owners, and managers outside the metropolitan area who will benefit from voting for a player musical that will draw the biggest audiences once it goes on the road. You know, it's also rare for an excellent play to win if it didn't enjoy a long run or open during the end of the season rather than at the beginning so with that said, mm-hmm. well, then these are all that's all part of the game. I mean, it's all part of everybody, the game. You, if you open a show in September, October, November, you're forgotten. Yeah, well, yeah, but you caveat into musicals don't get forgotten, but plays often do. Yeah. But I mean, it isn't like you know people don't know that going in that producers don't realize. Um, but then again, thank God they don't realize that, or else there'd be nothing going on on Broadway for eight months, That's and true. everything would open in March, April, and May. So, you know. Anyway, so, here yeah, we go. Yeah. The best play nominees uh, are God of Carnage, Reason to be Pretty, uh, Dividing the Estate, and 33 Variations. Anyway, Yasmina Reyes' uh, wildly successful farce, 
God of Carnage is a shoe-in to win, buoyed as it is by terrific performances by James Gandolfini, Marcia Gay Harden, Jeff Daniels, and Hope Davis. No one denies it's a clever, funny play about two sets of parents who get carried away defending the actions of their sons who had a fight in a schoolyard. Yeah. Anyway, but it doesn't come close to matching Neil Labute's uh, reasons oh, to be pretty. I'm so glad you're saying that. I so a agree. very hip and insightful play about a relationship that goes sour because of an insensitive remark. And also about how men and women also don't know what it means to be mature and committed. It's still running, so I hope your Certainly audience I will don't. go see it. <laughs> but, but, yeah, God of Carnage is yeah, probably going to win. Yeah. 33 Variations is an ingeniously written play by Moises Kaufman about a contemporary musicologist played, as you know, by the wonderful and a wonderful Jane Fonda and her investigation into a piece of music composed by Beethoven, who also, as you know, makes a couple of appearances, but it doesn't stand a chance. Uh, the play m that most deserves to win is Dividing the Estate by the adored oh. and late Horton Foote. Whoa, okay. He, he died this year at the age of 93. It's funny, serious, charming, and heartbreaking. You know, uh, it, it's about a, you know, members of a Texas family who have to decide what to do with a family estate in the face of depleting fortunes and income during a recession in the 1980s. How relevant <laughs> is it now? It deserved a longer run than it got early in the season. But And by the way, Horton and Foote and I share a birthday, March the 14th. Oh! And a quick funny story about it. I sure. used to meet him. You know, he used to love to attend many performances of his, of his plays, and I would always go up and say hi to him. And after the first couple of times, and I would say, Horton, you know, we share a birthday, March the 14th. The last time I saw him was at Dividing the Estate, and I went up, and I walked. I was going to walk up and say hi, and he just looked at me and says, yes, I know, we share the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I have a yeah. fond memory of that. Of that. You know, anyway, the, and he, I'm sure he did it with a, twink, uh, with a twinkle, not, not in a oh, nasty no, sort no, of way. Oh, no, no, he was yeah. a charming, charming, yeah. delightful guy, yes. And, um, you know, the nominees for Best Musical are Billy Elliot, The Musical, uh, Next to Normal, Rock of Ages, and Shrek. Not Drek, Shrek. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. Okay. Well, it has a little bit of Drek in it, and some, yeah, some of it's bit, good, but too. But... It's no contest, I don't think, for Billy Elliot, The Musical, the dynamite musical version of a movie uh, about a young boy who lives in a coal mining town in the north of England and has a passion for dance. The show has everything, drama, comedy, Incredible dancing and a fine score. I think an underappreciated score by Elton John. I think it's the finest musical of this maybe this past decade. Oh wow! I think it's I, one I of the more exciting. I went to see it. I, I think I grew loving it even more and more because I went three times to see those three guys, the three young men who are sensational. They forced me to go. Can you believe it? They forced <laughs> me. Oh, because that's right. You're president of the Alga Cricket. Is, is right, I had to see all three in order to 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 be nominated. Well, and he had to see all three. Well, well, now, now let me ask you something though yeah. about a, a totally different category. But those three kids who are actors, dancers in Billy Elliot. Yeah. Okay. They they've made that all one nomination in the best actor in a musical. Category. And, deserve, and deservedly and rightly so. Can you not kick uh, Now, really, is that Absolutely. Right? Each one brought us very, very unique. And these, these three young men are so special in their own way, I could not say which one was best. Each one brought something very unique. So shouldn't uh, they each be individually nominated like everybody else in all the other categories? Well, uh, what, why well, not nominate everybody in God of Carnage? Because it's a wonderful ensemble. Well, I, I, th I think there should be more ensemble awards. I think I, I'm all for that. And I think, uh, you know, uh, we gave them a we gave uh, the three boys a special achievement award, which I think that should have been done. I, you know, 
what the, the fact that they're nominated, as you said, uh, is a, makes it a little bit unfair. They could they could cancel each other out too. You know, it's possible. Is there any um, nomination or? Well, non-nomination, I should say. Anything you think that the Tonys really, really missed out on? Any category, could be an actor, could be a show itself, that the Tonys overlooked that really should have been up here? Oh, gosh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, in fact, I think they're even pressing to find shows to, to fill categories. Ah, okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, sorry. But, uh, let me go on, you know, but you have to give it to, uh, to Next to Normal when it comes to being the boldest, most original, and most dynamic musical of the year. It isn't every day that the, that the center of a musical is a woman, a mother who suffers from bipolar disorder, <laughs> and the family around her learns how to cope with it. It has a sensational score by, uh, what's his name, Tom Kitt. And, you know, Alice Ripley, is, she's going to win the best actress. I think no so, question yeah. about it. She's tr- tremendous. If you take away Billy Elliot next to normal, would be the next, it would be the easy winner, I think. Hmm. I, you know, yeah, I, I mean, to... Shrek has its fans, but I don't think anybody feels really strongly about Shrek. Well, I love Shrek. It's wonderfully funny, and it's oh. a great family show with lots of handsome sets, colorful costumes, a good score, and especially uh, a great, that great big green ogre, played sensationally <laughs> by Brian Darcy James. I enjoyed every minute of it, but I, I, others I suspect didn't. Okay. Now, I know I'm in the minority, but Rock of Age has sent me home with a headache. Uh, it's, well. It seems everyone in the audience but me knew every 1970 rock song played at full volume. Everyone was drinking during the show and waving right. lights in the air while I was searching for the Tylenol. <laughs> it was for me. It was painful to endure. If it re- wins, I'm retiring. <laughs> I, no, it's not going to win. Yeah, I think we have another year or two or five or ten with uh, with you giving your reviews and, and doing them for the Newark Star-Ledger and, and also... You, how long are you going to be um, heading the Outer Critics Circle? Do you think? Hanging around there? No, no heading it, running oh. it. You're the, pre- you're the president, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's one and the same thing. Yeah. You know, until they throw me out. You know, I got elected president because I think I left to go to the men's room. And I came <laughs> back and they said, hey, you're... You know, we all decided you're president. Do you um, love the job? Do you love doing it? I love it. It's a lot of work, and especially the, the uh, all the plans for the party, the preparations. You know, I love uh, the seating. <laughs> I like putting, you know, stars around and certain tables, and I love meeting everybody. And uh, no, it's it's a lot of fun. It is hard work, but uh, you know, nobody else wants to do it. Kind of, kind of sounds like what I do here at WGBB, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I keep telling myself it's what I want to do with the rest of my for the rest of my life. <laughs> Be well, a critic. I hope you keep on doing. Well, that's the one nice thing about you know, it. I was job, born so. to Kvetch. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a title of a musical right there. I'm born to Kvetch. You know, they'll yeah. probably stuff some Bruce Springsteen songs in it and call it a musical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyway, Simon Saltzman, a pleasure as always talking Thank to you. you and having. I think it's your, like your third year where you've taken part on some level in the Tony Awards specials. So it's an I honor and a pleasure. So. Enjoy the Tony Awards. And, and thanks so much for being part of it. My pleasure. Thank ha- you. Have a great night. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a delightful time, I hope, for you, as well as it certainly has been for me. Let me, let me get that cool Billy Elliot outro music playing. Is it playing? Oh, yeah. See, it starts with tapping. There you go. Ooh. little tap music as we go out 
of the Tony Ward special. I want to thank a, a few people who really helped make this happen. First of all, Bob Cudmore of WVTL in Westchester. There's a radio station up there. And I'm going to be on his show tomorrow morning at 10 to 9. That's Eastern Time. You know, Rochester's still somewhere in the New York area. And I'll be talking about wrapping up the uh, Tony Awards with Bob Cudmore. I want to thank our guest, Peter Felicia of the Newark Star-Ledger Richmond Shepherd of the Richmond Shepherd Theatre and the co-publisher of Performing Arts Insider Theatre Magazine, Simon Saltzman, the president of the Outer Critic Circle, and uh, also big thanks to Adam Kern, who was a real help here at the radio station for getting this, uh, this show going. I want to thank my beloved and adorable wife, Joyce, whose birthday is coming up pretty soon, so if I don't get to mention it, like, before then, not sure if I will. Well, I'm mentioning it now. I love you. Joyce, love love you all too for listening. See, I've got that theater music playing. It makes me very uh, bubbly and frothy and emotional. We're listening to uh, Billy Elliot, by the way, which may, I guess the real question tonight is how many awards will it take, the new musical Billy Elliot? Remember that the Tony Awards are just one hour from now on Channel 2. And remember that Dave's Gone By won't be on WGBB tonight at 11, but it's on every other Sunday night at 11 on AM 1240 WGBB Freeport. I host that show. It's a mix of this kind of talk about theater, but also comedy stuff and monologues and sketches and cool interviews with famous and not-so-famous people. you got to check it out Sunday nights at 11, and check out my website, davesgoneby.org. This is a place to find out about the history of the show and listen to Virtually every episode we have ever done is now online in the archives, free to listen to. That's over 300 episodes are right there, so you can listen at any time. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you like this program, or if you're uh, interested in Dave's Gone By, drop me a line at davesgoneby at aol.com. D-A-V as in Victor, davesgoneby at aol.com. Thank you so much. Enjoy the Tonys, and please... Go to the theater. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. Have a great night. Someone who doesn't care about theater at all or thinks theater is boring or it's just Shakespeare, stuff like that, you know, can be converted at least to a certain segment of the theater. Like not everybody who can sit through Waiting for Godot or I should say the people who can't sit through Waiting for Godot might like Rock of Ages. You know, the folks, the young kids who are streaming in to see Hair, the revival of Hair on Broadway. Well, they might like the Norman Conquests, might not. They might like God of Carnage, but they might not like Mary Stewart. Or they might love it. You never know. That's the beauty of it. That's the range of what's out there and what makes it so special. Um, So, that I say as a preamble, as a prelude to asking you, if you're listening to give us a call at the radio station at 631-888-8811, area code 631-888-8811, and tell us about your recent or even not-so-recent experiences going to the theater. Have you seen any Broadway shows in the past few months? Anything that made an impression on you? Have you seen any of the shows that are totally nominated? And what do you think of the nominations? What do you, what do you think of what you saw? Did it deserve the nominations it got. Or, or did you have a wonderful time? Did you have a terrible time? Do you think it was worth the quite a bit of money I'm sure you spent to go see that particular show on or off-Broadway? Let me know. 631-888-8811 is the phone number. If you're, if, it can be even as broad a question as 
what's a show that you remember from childhood? What's the first show on Broadway or maybe on Long Island that your parents brought you to as a kid? And what impression did it make upon you? I was talking to um, someone I know at my, my local library, and she was saying we were showing the movie Frost Nixon at the library, which Frank Langella stars in. And she said, oh, I remember him when he was doing Dracula on Broadway. And, oh, God, I was in love with him and all the women in the audience. He could have bitten our necks forever. So people have those kinds of special memories of the theater that they've gone to see. And I want to hear that from you here at the radio station, 631-888-8811. I'm Dave, so feel free to call in, and I might even get Adam McKern, who is um, the engineer here on most Sunday nights, to chime in, because he is a theater person. He's an actor. He also goes to the theater when he can, and he cares about the theater, which is important, too. So as Adam gets his headphones on and plugs in and turns on, let's see your black mic. Can you do not, Don't do black mic. Do um, orange mic is much, much better. Adam Kern. Let's hear you. Hello. Hi, Adam. Thanks for... Oh, it's wonderful to be on. I'm <laughs> really excited. Good. Yeah, cool. you're not even sitting down. You're standing up. I'm I am, so excited. I'm standing up. I'm so excited. I, I, can't, I can't contain my excitement. What were you saying? Or what, what is our memories about uh, a Broadway show? Or well, I was like? asking people to call in and either tell me about the shows they've seen recently on Broadway, or even better, if they want to call in and say a, a Broadway memory, like some show they saw them when they were a kid, or when they were dating and, and going to the theater in New York. Some theater memory. Yeah, I have a very vivid theater memory actually. It was it was a weird it was a weird thing because my mother and I arrived way way early intentionally uh to the city one day to see Phantom of the Opera and I was I was a little kid so I was really really excited about that. And um as soon as we got there I mean, we must have walked like maybe two blocks and the sky just opened up and just with the hardest downpour Ever and instead of like nice dinner and all these things, we s- we spent like almost two hours in a Dwayne Reed, like <laughs> just stranded there. Till this day, I cannot pass Dwayne Reed without remembering that. Oh. And it's just, but you know what? It turned. How was Phantom? <laughs> Phantom was great. Oh, okay. Oh, good. fantastic. But um. But yeah, I've, but I've had to sit through theater in wet clothing and yeah. it, it does you, you kind of forget it halfway through the first act but during that first act when it's it was still warm and then you're sitting there and it starts to get cool on you because of the air conditioning and yeah. you're feeling like the cold wet clothing it does take away i remember um one time i went to shakespeare in the park which mm-hmm. and there you're obviously not protected from the elements so i was squishy it, it was a rainy day sitting there for a rain delay we, we sit there and my sneakers were squishing and my socks were all bleh. So I said, and I, and I do what I do always at the theater because I like to be comfortable. I take my shoes off. Mm-hmm. I like to sit there and have my dogs breathe, right. so so my brain can at the same time. And I just remember someone in front of me turning around and seeing my s- wet sock foot and going, "Yeah, put put your shoes on." Yeah. I'm like, "No, my feet are soaking wet. My my sneakers like mush." I'm like. Please put put your shoes. That's a so bad I, situation for all parties involved. <laughs> it's not like my feet smell. I don't think. I hope. Mm. Well, mm. that was my memory. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the sense towards your own body is quite as strong as it is to others. Are you telling me something, Adam? Are you are you are you hinting at something? Uh, perhaps a shower would be in order. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, whatever. 
Thank None you. of my business, really. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember that very, very clearly. I, I also have to, to yin and yang it a little bit. Sure. I went, I went to London last year. I'm, very, I'm a very lucky guy. Yeah. I saw Glengarry Glen Ross, which was freaking phenomenal. With whom? With, Who were they doing oh, there? Oh, jeez. You, you would know the main actor. Um, Kevin Spacey, right? No. No. Well, that was in the movie. No, um, no, but then he was... Oh, no, he wasn't doing Possibly. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was Patrick something... I, I Oh, boy, I can't remember his name. Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants? No. He would have been good as the Jack no, 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 that wasn't that Patrick. Um, Squidward? No. Mm. No. I, I, well, whatever, it doesn't yeah, matter. Okay. It was awesome. Actually, but Squidward would, would be good in that Squidward character, except the Kevin Spacey role isn't in the He would play, be though. good for Jack Lemmon's role. Yeah. Squidward. He, he, the the wow. weasley, uh, yeah. I don't want to steal these leads. You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. It's a great play. And Jack Lemmon proved himself to be just, in my eyes, with that movie, just such a great actor because of how much, how visceral I loathed him from that movie. You, Jack, oh. you hated Jack Lemmon in that movie? Oh, he was despisable. Yeah. No, no, no. no not not so far you, as... You hated Alec Baldwin in that movie. No, Alec I loved Baldwin Alec Baldwin. The... And that's one of my favorite scenes in my first yeah. legitimate acting monologue as well. Comes from that. Let me have your attention. Yeah, I love that. It goes six and a half minutes of that spiel. It's I genius. love it. Yeah. yeah, no, Jack Lemmon is just such a weasel. He just... He's, oh, he's wow. corrupt and he's horrid. Of course he's corrupt. He's desperate. Yeah. Desperate men get corrupt. No, it's... Yeah, but anyways. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Retracing our steps back to London. Yeah. The, the day after the event I'm talking about was Glengarry Glen Ross, and that was wonderful. The day before, the day of that I'm talking about, I was excited to see the oldest running play in London. I was like, yay. Mousetrap? The, yeah, the mousetrap. How is the mousetrap? Let me tell you something about the mousetrap. <laughs> I bless the heart of whomever wrote it in year whatever it was, but... Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie, thank you. Yeesh. I should probably know these things. But anyways, Agatha Christie, I'm sure it was a I'm sure it was a great play for its time. Let us let's put it that way. That being said, in this time, in yeah. this day and age, it is so painfully outmoded, outdated, the jokes are like so old. I, I mean, it, they would make you blush. I mean, they really would. That would be tough. Yeah. Because I still you, tell the, the Fireman Red Suspenders I, joke and get a laugh out of that. Even thing. the neighborhood <laughs> would, would I mean, you, you, you fidget in your seat oh. at some of the jokes are so obnoxiously old and embarrassing. And this was the only time, may it be the first and the last time, that I sit in a theater there were empty seats everywhere. Oh, well. Everywhere. I mean, I felt like it was me and maybe 90 other people in the entire theater. And the theater that was takes seats. away yeah. so much from a show. I, I, it, it, it would have been better if it was a packed, you know, crowd at an yeah. even worse show, which, which again, I can't even fathom. <laughs> By the end, when they tell the big surprise, and I'll, I'll at least not spill it, but uh, you can look it up on Google, um, you just don't care. You, you don't care. It's like a murder mystery or whatever. Well, yeah, okay. And you just don't oh. care. And then he, he reveals himself, and, and you, you still don't care. You're like, <laughs> this is not shocking at all. I, and why? Why did I sit through this? And you know what? 
Well, they're playing out the string. That thing's going to be running after you and I are gone, perhaps. I don't think so. I think I think I'm going to be one of the last people to see it. I'm telling you. Well, you saw it last but, year. Exactly. So there there have been at least like eight other people who've seen it since you. you have. Oh yeah, no. Well, times add by the number. It's probably eighty people who have seen it <laughs> since. But no, it it ha- it simply has to run away. It's it will. That is not an immortal play. <laughs> it will not. My prediction. No more than five years. It can't. Well, it you can't. can never tell what's going to hang on. Uh, by the way, Adam's getting over a cold. I, I had some throat problems earlier in the previous show. <laughs> this is one of those. must be the time of year. But you never can. I mean, there's a show off-Broadway called Perfect Crime that has been running for a good 20 years or so, longer than almost every Broadway production. Okay. It's not a terrible play, but it's not a good play. It's just a, a dumb murder mystery sort of comedy thing. And, in fact, the woman who co-wrote it and acted in it from the beginning is still in it. She's the pro- uh, co-producer of oh, it. Oh, uh, what's her name? Oh, I wish you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> if I had my performing arts insider okay. in front of me, I would know. But she, but the show's way. still going, and, and God knows, and it's in a small theater. So maybe every performance they get 30 people, 40 people. So, and, and then there's The Fantastics, a lovely little musical, but should that have run 40 years? I don't 40? know. 40? It ran 40, it went away for two years, and then they brought it back. Wow. It's a sweet little musical. Yeah, point, I, you know. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess because the mousetrap is that. It's just such a, you know, it's a murder mystery, and who's not intrigued by a murder mystery or by a whodunit, you know? But It's there because it's it was, there. Oh, it was so embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed oh, God. to be there. I was embarrassed to be there. I, I, I ate... By far the single worst slice of pizza ever on this Why would planet. you get pizza in England? Uh, you know what? You, you get you, fish you, and you, chips you or you learn. get the Indian food there. That's you what can you only get. eat so much fish and chips, which is delicious there. But yeah. once you've had three fried I, meals in a row, yeah. you're not going to eat a fourth. I, cu- I couldn't. I couldn't. And so I tried to eat some of their fare. And, and I've been told that, oh, in London, oh, it's not like it used to be. And blah, blah, blah. They have lots of great food. Yeah, they do have lots of great food that costs oh. God only knows how much at the finest restaurants. Yes, it's available, but for an arm and a leg and then some. Try and find the Friendlies or an Arby's or you know, something like you know, a Beefsteak Charlie's and good luck. Yeah. What, what, my best meal in London? Yeah. I, I shudder. I shudder. Subway sandwich. It was a Subway sandwich. A Subway sandwich. Yeah. Their food is... All, well, again, their fish and chips were good. Oh, well, then, then it wasn't plentiful, the best meal in London. Plentiful. Oh, my God. They give you, like, a whole fish. Did they give it oh to you in the newspaper, though? No. Oh, they do it, they do it the new way? Mm, yeah. In the old days, they used to wrap them in newspaper. That was kind of a cool that's, thing about that's it. That's disgusting. Yeah. Okay. I would Couldn't not, you get a I decent burger in a pub? No. 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 I just okay. don't... Uh, I don't like that. I, I mean, a very moderate amounts of that kind of food do I like. Yeah. Anyways, no, the food the food there in London is just terrible. But, um, yeah, I mean, Mousetrap was unfortunately my worst Well, what else did you experience. see when you were in, in London? Well, those were the two. I oh, mean, oh, I, well, you know. I only have so much money. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And you spent it on London the mouse. Well, I understand. The, the, the seeing history, I get that. I, yeah, that's yeah. that's it. That's really what sold me. And I had no idea it would be that antiquated. And and I thought that people bought tickets to it. It's such a unnerving thing to sit in. And it's a gorgeous theater, too. Gorgeous. Gor- I think it's called The Majestic. 
and mm. it's it's fantastic. It carved everything. Well, you know why? Because nobody's trod on the carpets for 15 years because nobody's come to see I, the I show. Guess, I guess. But There's been no wear and tear. <laughs> the, the silly ca- character is Christopher Wren, you know, like named after oh the... And he God. pretends that he's an architect, too, and he's just... Oh. He's... This is the best adjective to describe him. He's daffy. He's oh. daffy. He's just insane, like, upbeat type A personality, and you just... Uh. And it's so it's so cheesy... Oh, <laughs> God bless all of the actors' souls, because they, they... Hey, they're getting paid. They are getting paid, so I'm not, you know, crying over the, over them, over yeah. their welfare. But it do, you know what? On the same note, it yeah. does have to be a little tough, playing to nine out of ten empty seats. I know. I mean, I know. that's where your real professional valor is tested. Cause yeah. Well, thank God. I mean, knowing as I do, because I do a weekly cabaret show... On um, at the Players Theater on on McDougal Street in the Village, and sometimes we have a few people, sometimes we have a lot of people. But one kind of good thing is once you get up there and you're standing in your spot and you're in the light, you really can't see past the first row. So that that sort of helps you. Only problem is if you're used to or hope for getting laughs, and there's you know, 20 people in the audience, or or as you say, 80 people in a place that seats five or six hundred. You know, you're waiting for laughs that don't come. So you may not see nobody out there because you can't see at all past the first row or two, but you know. You you, you have a sense yeah. that you know, nothing nothing's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm just read something about the opposite. It's not a, really about the theater, but I'm reading the book by Artie Lang, oh The gosh. Howard Stern okay. Show. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's quite Apparently good. it's got really, yeah, decent reviews, yeah. which... And it isn't uh, sick, crazy... No, I mean, there's some of that, but it's really right. about his life story and his, his relationship to his father, and it's, it's quite touching. Mm. And he tells the story about his dad, his fondest memory of his dad, somehow managed to get him tickets during the 1977 World Series, which was half at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, father just sent away early in the season on the assumption that the Yanks would get into the, the playoffs. They did, and get to the series. So they got $10 seats all the way in the bleacher boonie boonies, and just the, the feeling of what it's like, that Subway series on that crazy 1977-78 season, you know, with Son of Sam and New York being absolutely a mad kind of a right. place, and the Yankees being the one bright spot of everything, and then you know, that year of Thurman Munson and Reggie Jackson, and the feeling of that full Yankee stadium, hmm. what it was like, the sound, the energy, and great, great story of being all the way in the back of the bleachers, but the father was the type who could con and connive his way into pretty much anything. So by the last half inning, um, the Yankees were le- leading easily. Father brought his little son down right to the first front row. I mean, living, you know, with everybody rocking and two outs, and the Yankees obviously going to win. And the father says to little Artie Lang, he says, Okay, what I'm going to do, if I run out onto the field... I'll get arrested and probably beaten up by cops. But if you run onto the field, and, and Artie was all of, like, eight <laughs> or nine, if you run onto the field, cops aren't going to hit a kid. So run over to the shortstop area, and I'll meet you there when I can. And so, you know, last out, easy out, every place goes pandemonium, you know, jumping up and down, the whole place rocking like crazy. And, you know, um, little Artie's thrilled because he's this huge Yankee fan. Never felt so happy in his life, but he's also terrified 
that his father's actually going to do this. And his father's going to lift him over his head, put him on the field, and tell him, go, run. And so, of course, the father remembers, puts Artie, you know, lifts him right onto the field, and Artie's running around, and he's excited, but he's also watching other people stream onto the field, and the cops wailing away at them with clubs. And he's watching people, you know, blood streaming out of their heads and people falling to the ground and also jumping around going crazy, taking sod out of the turf. And he said pretty soon what goes to, from being really exciting is he sits there crying because it's just pandemonium. He's terrified. And then finally, like 15 Jeez. minutes later, the father makes it to the field and, and, and takes him home. Oh, wow. Great, 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 great Yikes. story. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and really not much amazing. to do with theater, although that is a kind of theater. Well, you know what? I was just gonna say, I you know to segue back. I, I remember that. I mean, you know what? I don't, I don't have the best memories of when I was a child, and and it's more of a sensory type thing. But I do, I do recall clearly the first time I went to Shea Stadium oh. and talk about theater. When when, because you come out of a tunnel also. You know, you you always associate coming out of a tunnel with either <laughs> football players or or baseball players, or professional birth. athletes. Yeah, right. Well, or, or yeah. birth. We're gonna be a little, but um, but no, but as a fan, you come out of a tunnel also because in Shea, at least, you know, it was all darkened, and yeah. the the way you walk is to both sides of you are the bleachers, but they're all covered up, obviously, and then you walk through a tunnel. Right. We were on the um the first base side. We were near first base. And and it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. And then you get out onto the field and yeah. I've never seen I've never seen dirt so brown. I've never seen yes. grass so green. Yes. Perfect. Per it didn't look real. The players the the the, the uh, Daryl Strawberry was playing Mookie Wilson, uh, Mookie. Howard Johnson, yeah. uh, Ron Darling, you know Doc, all, all, all of them, and, and they were bigger than life because they, they were, were on steroids. And Stra no, well, Strawberry was real thin but tall as can be, and he just and those those pinstripes, the the orange, the blue, yeah. everything was so vivid that. It was theater. It was theater. You you just you could not believe. You almost didn't want them to play on it. It looked so perfect, <laughs> like a good dessert. You know, you you hesitate about digging into it. Right. You know, it, it's just I I I can never forget that. It's just it's so ingrained in my soul, and it's it was a fine fine memory. Yeah, wow. my first Mets game. Mm. I have no idea whether they won or not, but it didn't matter in that. It, it didn't matter. At, at that it didn't even point. matter when I was a Mets fan all those years ago. Um, and the Mets were doing 450 ball and not even remotely approaching the playoffs because there, there yeah. wasn't even wild cards back then. It was just, you know, you either won the division or not and you were out right. of it. And then, you know, I was a fan. I was a fan up until the last two seasons in which they gave up. But, but, you know, this is supposed to be a theater kind of sh talk show. So yeah. let me also throw it back open to you folks, hopefully listening in your cars or at home. Please give us a buzz at the radio station, 631 888 8811, area code 631-888-8811, to talk about, since this is Tony night and we're just half, away, uh, half an hour away from the Tony Awards, your theater experiences. And, and as we can see, theater can be very broad and far afield. It can be a dance performance as well, let's say. But I'm, I'm obviously, and I think Adam are most curious about your Broadway and off-Broadway experiences. Have you seen anything really cool in the past few months? Did you see Billy Elliot? Did you see Hair? Did you see The Norman Conquests, God of Carnage, Exit the King, all these shows that opened uh, during this season? Or did you see anything amazing in the past? 
that you really, really remember vividly, or even if you can't remember the show so vividly, you remember the experience of going, whom you were with, how you got there, what you did after and before the show, anything that made that night or afternoon at the theater special. Give us a call, 631-888-8811, I'm Dave Lefkowitz, by the way. I'm here with Adam Curran. It's 7.35 p.m. here at WGBB. The usual program that has been here for a couple of weeks uh, is not on tonight. It would have been in Spanish, so uh, hola. <laughs> bueno. We can talk a little about about West Side Story because they do two songs in Spanish in the new revival. Do they? Yeah, that, that's the big quote unquote controversy. Oh, the director Arthur Lawrence, who co-wrote West Side Story with Stephen Sondheim and, and Leonard Bernstein, he's directing the, the show, hmm. and he said, "Well, how do I update it? How do I make it modern and relevant and more real?" And he said, "Well, why don't we have the Spanish characters, the the sharks, talk in Spanish?" Part of the time. Hmm. And, and let's do a couple of the songs in Spanish, the way they would talk to each other. That's yeah, not a bad idea, I guess. It's not... Th- I mean, he doesn't not, really not follow Not groundbreaking through. or anything, yeah. but... And the fact is, it's not like they sp- always speak to each other in Spanish. Just sometimes. And they do well, two songs in Spanish, so... That would be overkill if they always right. spoke in Spanish. I mean, yeah. that, w- that would be assuming that American audiences are bilingual, which... Not yet. Is... No. Ten not, words. No. <laughs> no. Not even not gonna happen. Never to a large degree. We're gonna be outnumbered. So. I don't think fairly. so. Okay. Yeah. Unless, well, we're gonna have an influx of Russians. And and anybody who thinks that I mean I'm not I don't mean to be, get political sure. or anything, but there's no English will and always be our main uh, our. Language. Never say always. Well, you never it, know always. Well, that's true. I don't know always, but for any foreseeable future, it is English because that's what's that's what's kept our nation you know, like, band together because it's so easy like that. You know, it's just, bing, one language, and as opposed to the EU, which they have to print out any official document in 20 languages. <laughs> Literally, yeah, 20 right. languages. So, you know, even Canada, everything must be printed in English yes, and, and French. French. And well, but has it hurt pain. Canada to do that? Well, it, Quebec almost seceded. They didn't. Yeah, but... T- it was they had a revolt on their hands, and and it's hey we've got these idiots calling out. I got I got a phone call. It's two only days one ago. One part of the country that they predominantly speak French, anyways, and that <laughs> that is in the Quebec area. So yeah. no, but I mean, talk about secession. I I got a call. Just one of these pre-recorded calls is like, are you part of the Tea Party revolt? Oh, <laughs> these idiot Republicans. That was probably my mom. <laughs> Sorry. Is your mom an idiot Republican? Yeah. Even in this day and age. Mm. Ah, well, won't go there. Yeah. Won't go. So how do we get on to this? How do we stray to this? Who knows? Because theater strays to everything. That's the beautiful thing. It can stray to sports. It can stray to politics. doesn't have to necessarily be so... Stray to defined. Susan Boyle. This, this with, uh... Yes! Think about it. People Th- who that's say... Also my, that's also yeah. my... Uh, that's probably my favorite uh, theater memory of all time. You know, aside from waiting in the Dwayne Reed for hours on end shopping for different umbrellas and stuff. Uh, Was seeing Susan Boyle do her thing or seeing her break down? Well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, no, uh, seeing Susan Boyle on YouTube for the first time, uh, that was very touching. Yes, it was. But, I mean, I'm talking about seeing Les Miserables uh, in real life mm. was deeply touching. I just, the sto- I, I, it just impacted me in a major way. I guess I had no expectations. Right. That always helps. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah. But the music is just... I, I listened to both the double CD regularly when I was a kid, and I am not... As, as you know, I mean, I'm very interested in the arts and I uh, act and all of this stuff, but when I was a kid, not so, so much. It was just one of my interests. Okay. I would have a I would have a lot of rap CDs, rock, and Les Miserables double CD. That's how much I loved it. Well, you know what? You know? You, that sounds unique, but if you go to a lot of people of your generation, you're probably about 15 years younger. Than, how old are you? Uh, 27. Yeah, you're... you're uh, I'm 45, so you're oh. about 17, 18 years young, um, younger than I am. But the... Um, Right. I'm not a math guy. Me neither. But other t- other people Take would be like, well, it. I've got Nirvana and I've got all these things. Yeah, well, now my, and and they have Rent. Yeah. So that would be their one. They wouldn't have Guys and Dolls. Right. They wouldn't have Oklahoma, but they have Rent or okay. or one of the Bublil Schoenberg things or the Andrew or the Jesus Christ Superstar something yeah, like that. Yeah, it works perfectly with my sister who's six years younger than me, and that's yeah, it's all whatever rap rock, whatever Rent. Boom. Right, exactly. Where that comes from? All of them too, and not just one song. So well, was, for a moment, it was, it was Spring Flinders. Awakening too. Uh, that one sort of nudged its way in there for a moment. Hmm. Spring Awakening. Yeah, you never, it was n- never heard of it. Really? Yeah. It was best musical uh, two seasons ago, or or maybe it was only one season ago. What was last year's best musical? Good Lord. Where's my my sheet of paper? All my stuff I packed away because I thought I'd be off the air by seven. So, after there's your trivia for you. Hello, caller WGBB. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. Adam Kern is with me, and uh, want to talk theater? Yes, I do. Hi, who's calling? Uh, my name is Pat from Brooklyn. I I saw Hair. What did you think? And uh, oh, actually, sorry. actually, it was it was great because I missed it the first time around because I was a little bit too young when it when, when it was first here. Right, me too. But but I was still old enough to know I wanted to see the play, but but nobody would take me, you know. Well, there were naked people in it and stuff <laughs> like that. Right. That was a. Uh, um, but the, but the interesting thing is, I only see plays if I can get half price, and you never get half price to uh, a play that's up for Tony, except that. That evening that Obama was at a, at a play, there was nobody in town, and I tried to see the play that he was at, <laughs> but of course, they wouldn't let me in, in there on, on, on the same day notice, even though the play doesn't sell out. Right. Yeah. Um, but they did have hair, so I saw hair for half price. Good, man. And it was, uh, it, it, it actually, even though I saw it in reverse, I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but it sort of, uh, Rent reminded me of hair. Well, how do you mean in reverse? In other words, you saw Rent first a few years back, and then uh, I'm not sure what you're. I never, I, ne- I never saw Hair. Oh, you know, you mean you never saw Rent or? I, I, no, I saw Rent a couple oh. of times. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then I saw Hair after I saw Rent. Well, so did I. I mean, I, as I said, I never saw Hair on Broadway. It hasn't been done on Broadway since, like, I think the early '80s. Right. Uh, so I just saw Hair last week, right? Right. And 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 did. Was there any? Did did you think that that there was anything about Rent that might have been taken from here? Oh, of course. Okay. The whole idea of it being a rock musical about young people who are living on the fringe of society. I mean, exactly. Jonathan Larson was no fool. I mean, and Jonathan Larson was a theater person. He would have been very familiar with Hair. It's not stealing. Yeah. He was doing it for another generation. That's true. Speaking to that generation, the way Hair spoke to. The generation that it spoke to, although that was really the thing about Hair being a big Broadway success in the in the years that it was in the sixties and seventies, it was that it spoke to the parents of the kids. Right. That was what made it a hit because the kids weren't going to the theater; they were busy, you know, tuning in, turning on, dropping out, not paying to go see a Broadway show. It was mom and dad who were trying to understand 
why they couldn't talk to their kids or why their kids couldn't talk to them. And they go to Broadway, and it was a way of saying, oh, I see, these kids are creative, they're musical, they're expressing themselves by wearing weird clothing and right. growing their hair and singing these really cool, catchy songs. That's what made hair you know, special back then, and, and I think also part of what makes it special now. Now, now, intergenerationally, it's very interesting, the issues they were dealing with in rent as compared to hair. Hair, you were talking about hair and the way you dressed, and maybe, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some drugs were involved. But of course, with rent, it was it was life and death. Right. Well, it's life. And, it's certainly life and death and hair. And they make that oh, clear in this in revival terms of the now. War. Yeah. I mean, being drafted. That's true. The most powerful scene for me is the end of the second, uh, the first act of Hair, which, if you just listen to the old CDs of the cast recording, you don't really know what's going on. You figure the kids are all just taking drugs and having a freak out and dancing yeah. and celebrating and taking their clothes off yeah. in the theater. What you realize they're doing is they're going around this big old bonfire where kids are burning their draft cards. And while that's a celebration, it's a terrifying, sad thing because it's a, you know, they're changing their lives. They're deciding right then at that moment, are they going to risk being put in prison? Are they going to be able to live in America anymore? Do they have to drive up to Canada? These yeah. are kids who have to do this, and it's, it's tremendously powerful, I think. That is true. That is true, and and at least the uh, the current generations never had to deal with that issue. Well, thank God. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, it, well, I shouldn't say that. You, I mean, being forced to go to war. Close. I'm talking about. It came yeah. close. <laughs> oh yeah. And let's face it, kids who don't have any aspect for a job, right? Isn't that the nice word? Consign. Yeah. Well, think about kids right now whose only option for a real job or or being able to pay for college is having to spend a year or two in Iraq. Or yeah. two years, and then the government says, "No, we're not through with you. We're going to give you one more tour of duty, you know, whether you like it or not." Next. So there are kids still yeah. who are facing that decision. It's just not every kid. Let's see if I have the Billy Elliot music again. Oh, well, it's West Side Story. Yeah, I guess I'll do the West Side Story out intro for our outro. That's that's good. This Whoa, is probably that's crazy. <laughs> this is all the intro you you need, and you know it's West Side Story. Yep see those sharks coming. Yeah. And this is from the new revival of uh, West Side Story. The CD is out. They also the have Nuevo the revival. El Nuevo. Como se dice revival? Una... Revivalito. Bueno. Muy bien. Yo soy inteligente. So thank you everybody for listening. Thanks also for the critics whom we spoke to in the first hour. Peter Felicia, um, Iris Dorby and Simon Saltzman and Richmond Shepard. I want to thank my wife for her support, of course, to Adam Kern and to the radio station, to the Woodrow Delicatessen, num, 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 yummy kosher deli food in Hewlett, Long Island. Go check them out, woodrowdeli.com. It's not Woodrow Deli. You leave off that second W for wow, what wonderful food at the Woodrow Deli on, uh, in the Peninsula Shopping Center of Hewlett. Also, speaking of Hewlett, that's where you go to Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway since the 1970s, family-owned and operated with 10% off for all the listeners to my regular Sunday night show, Dave's Gone By. By the way, Dave's Gone By is usually on Sunday nights at 11. We're not going to be on tonight at 11 because I've already been here two hours and uh, I'm basically brain dead already. But next Sunday and every Sunday after that, 11 o'clock Sunday nights on this station, 
1240 WGBB Freeport. You can hear Dave's Gone By from 11 to midnight. It's not just theater. It's comedy, talk radio, music, sketches, cool interviews. you got to check it out. And you can hear a bunch of older episodes of the show for free at any time by going to my website, davesgoneby.org. Remember, that's Dave like my name, davesgoneby.org. Well, it just remains for me to thank you so much again for listening to the Tony special. The Tonys are going to be starting in just one minute on CBS, so check them out and see if your predictions, our predictions, were right, wrong, or somewhere in the middle. We leave you with some more West Side Story. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. Thank you again, Adam Kern. Hopefully... See you next year at the Tonys. No! What? Thank you. Ah!